0: Hi, everybody. Duncan Fletcher here, the executive director of PADS. Hope everyone is doing well. A little bit of a twist today in our podcast. We're actually going to speak to my usual co-host, Stephanie Thorburn. Stephanie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great this morning. Have a cup of coffee and I'm ready to go.
0: Beauty. We're kind of flipping the the script a bit here and we're going to start asking you questions because... You have a really interesting background in athlete development. I've known you for a long time. You've been around this space for oh, for you know, it seems like forever for such a for such a young person, Steph. For such a young person,
1: I know so, it's amazing what you can do in twenty two years,
0: right? Exactly, exactly. So I guess let's jump into it, Steph. So why don't we get into the beginning? How did you how did you start uh, before you got into athlete development? What was sort of your your pathway through the you know, university and sport world.
1: Yeah. Um, so I've always um, loved sports. Um, grew up in a household where sports were very important to play to watch, um, and I always knew that I wanted to help people. Uh, my nickname when I was in high school was uh, Dr. Thorburn. You know, I was always the counselor, and um, was actually in middle school a peer helper and high school a peer counselor. So pretty early on, I knew I wanted to go to school for psychology. I went to Florida State, got my undergrad in psychology and stayed there for graduate school and got my master's in sports psychology. And um, finding the field of sports psychology to me was the perfect blend of my my passion of sport, but also my purpose of, of helping people. And I actually thought I would go straight through, get my PhD, um, be a sports psychologist, or get my PhD in clinical and um, be a clinician, but focusing really on on athletes. But while I was in graduate school, I heard about this field of player development, and at the time, it was really the the NFL that um, had individuals in this space, and I thought this is what I want to do. I want to work with athletes. For their betterment, I want to provide them with resources so they're more successful. And um, after completing my master's thesis, I was afforded the opportunity of an internship with the Yankees. And um, I always feel like that was such a great opportunity to get my foot in the door in the sports world and understand professional sports. Uh, While I was there, a job posted at the NFL and it was in, at the time, player development. And so I applied in what felt like 50,000 interviews later, I accepted the position. And um, that's kind of what kicked off my, my career in athlete development was that opportunity at the NFL when the NFL was really uh, trying to enhance that space and create programming um, in all avenues of an athlete's life. So financial education, there was the broadcast boot camp, um, really getting guys to go back to school and understand the value of getting their degree. The NFL had a program where they would help to um, support the cost. So it was an exciting time and I was really excited to be part of that. Um, I then transitioned to the NBA. Yeah, right,
0: uh, so we get to yeah. the NFL. Let's let's rewind just a shade. So sure. before university, did you were you an athlete? Were you playing D1 athletics at the time?
1: So um when I was a freshman, I was playing soccer. I don't really I mean I got in a really bad car accident coming from my boyfriend's funeral. So I don't really want to like go into the whole sob story of that. And I got no, hurt. No, we don't need
0: to get into that, but you were playing D1 for a bit, right? Yeah. And then you weren't able to play. Yeah. So you had this sudden transition out of sport, correct?
1: Yeah. You know, a sport was a huge part of my life. And um, I had to find a different um, way to kind of fill that bucket. And I was very, very involved in the football program when I was in undergrad and grad school. Um, I interned. I did some broadcast work. I helped with recruiting. So I had the wherewithal at that age to say, okay, I can't do this. And this has been a big part of my identity. How can I redirect this energy and this purpose and this passion?
0: Got Um, it. Let's go back back to the Yankees here because, you know, I think what's fascinating about your career, you haven't even got to the the next part yet, but you get the job with the Yankees. How did you pull that off? How did you go from, you know, uh, a student uh, doing a master's degree to yanking down an internship with the Yankees? I can't believe I just did that. But yeah, how did that happen? (laughs)
1: So that's actually a very funny story. And I, when I, was, especially when I was working in collegiate athletics, um, both at the NCAA and on campus, I always talked to those individuals about your network and someone is always watching. That was a phrase I often said that someone is always watching. And when I was in undergrad and graduate school, I never was able to attend a tailgate because I was on the field pregame with the football team. So it was, um, I was done with my coursework and I was just working on my thesis and it was probably my first or second tailgate, a whole different experience. And I started engaging in a conversation with this gentleman that was at our tailgate. I just knew him by his first name. I didn't know his background. So he was talking to me about what do I want to do? What am I going to school for? And at the end of the conversation, he handed me his business card and he was a pitching coach for the Yankees. And he said, send me your resume and let me see what I can do to help you. Wow. And voila. And so, you know, I I often say or used to say that, um, you know, who you know that it can get your foot in the door, but it's what you know that um, gets you that opportunity and keeps you there.
0: It's a great point. The importance of that sort of connection and then, you know, taking advantage of that network. That's quite cool. All right. So now. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, and and the Yankees, and and this is definitely something like, you know, I don't know how you're going to edit this, but um, I graduated. No yeah,
0: we're just going all the way through. Very,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I got my master's, I remember having this thought that, well, I'm going to be offered this high paying job. I have my ma- my master's, you know, I'm mature. I have all this education. And I walked into that Yankees opportunity. And I walked out and I picked up the phone and I called my dad and I started crying. And he's like, what's wrong? And I said, they offered me an internship with a small stipend. And he said, that's fantastic. And I was like, fantastic. It's not a job. And he's like, Stephanie, it is an opportunity in major professional sports that is going to open up doors and windows for you. Um, And thankfully, I had the support of my parents, um, both emotionally and financially, because it was an internship paying, I don't know, $1,000 at the time or something like that. Um, But that having that on my resume and when I was in, in undergrad and graduate school, I was highly involved in the athletic space. Um, working with student athlete, student athletes in the academic center, doing the recruiting. So even though I was a young buck, so to speak, I did have a background that was applicable to athlete development right out of the gate in undergrad graduate school, and then the opportunity with, with the Yankees.
0: Okay, so now that brings us back to where you kind of finish your, your, your opening statement is you're now with the NFL. That sounds like a cool opportunity. They they were going through that expansion phase where they were really starting to dive deeper into athlete development. What was that experience like when you're kind of working for the, you know, arguably the biggest sport entity on the planet?
1: Um, You know, looking back, it was such an amazing opportunity and amazing experience. And I feel extremely fortunate to have had it. Uh, When I first started, it was overwhelming and daunting because it was definitely baptism by fire. When I was hired, there was a team of individuals, and within a month, uh, four of those individuals left for other opportunities. Uh, but I see the benefit of them leaving because it oper- it provided me the opportunity to have to engage with 32 teams, 32 player development directors, and really understand the the needs of the clubs, the needs of the athletes. Um my learning curve had to be very, very small and I had to get up to speed very quickly. So even though there were nights where it was 10, 11 o'clock at night and I'm like, what am I doing? Um, Thankfully, I understood the value and the benefit and um, what a great opportunity I was presented um, unknowingly like diving into it.
0: What were some of the big challenges that you were really having to to wrap your arms around uh, at the NFL out of curiosity?
1: One of them was being a female, being a young female. That was very challenging. I actually knew quite a lot of the men that were entering the league at the time because I came from Florida State. And at that time, Florida State had a very prominent football program. Um, so it was it was just challenging being a young female in the space. I probably looked like I was 18, even though I wasn't. Um, so that was a challenge. Um, And then I would say just trying to provide resources and services to the athletes in a timely manner, timely manner, um, and also hearing the people at the club, the frustrations that they were having. I think for a long time, uh, there was a huge, huge disconnect and the NFL did do a great job of bringing people on board, trying to meet the needs of the player engagement people, meet the needs of the league as well as the players. But um, there were some rough patches trying to personally as a female, but also um, trying to navigate some of the historical frustrations and say, OK, new chapter, we're moving forward. Um, we're going to try to do what's best for the athletes.
0: So it's kind of interesting that you mentioned, obviously, the challenges you face as a young woman in the, you know, in the field. From there may be other young women who are looking to break into the industry in, in some way, shape or form. What, what would you tell them that you to take away from your experiences as you were coming through uh, and up uh, in the field uh, of athlete development and, and, and professional sport in general?
1: You know, I would say that um, a lot of us have paid the way, so it's not as challenging for for them, but it most certainly will be challenging. Uh, you always have to be professional. Um, you always have to have your A game. Um, it's unfortunate, but you have to prove yourself because when you're in a male dominated area, and if you're competing against males that have played the sport, uh, there is a sense that they know more, they're more uh, appropriate for the job. And that might not be the case. So know your craft and know your craft well, but you have to ensure that you're keeping your personal life outside of work. And um, don't cross those lines as crazy and maybe silly as that sounds that I have to say that it's really important that you, you focus on the task and the job at hand and don't muddy those waters. Um, dress the part. Again, I think some of these things might be silly that to, to young individuals. Why does it matter? But it does. Um, you always want to dress for the job you want, not the job you have. You have to be professional in, in your dress. You have to be professional in the way you, you carry yourself and in the things that you say. You don't want to get too complacent or too comfortable. Um, then often people don't take you seriously. And it's sad that sometimes we have this extra le- level or layer of pressure on us, but um, it is what it is. But again, I will say today being in sports is, is definitely much different than it was 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago and thankfully there are a lot of women that have broken a lot of barriers that have paved the way so young women that are are wanting to enter this field um, not that they won't face challenges but I think it'll it'll be an easier ride.
0: I think that's a good perspective and I'm glad you you're sharing that Uh, I think um, I think the field has definitely changed and sports has definitely changed but you're right there's there's I'm sure I obviously can't speak to it personally but I've heard it from others that there's obviously sort of that that additional barrier that you know young women need to be conscious of as they're breaking into the field. To that end, okay, so you're at the NFL, things are going well, and now what happens? Another jump. Tell us about that, stuff.
1: Yeah, um, Myrna Newman. She worked in HR at the NBA, and she reached out to me and said, "Hey, we're looking to hire someone at the NBA. Um, saw your resume. Would we'll love to schedule an interview." And I did love my time and the work I was doing at the NFL, uh, but this was a more senior position, and and I thought this would be a great opportunity um, if it presented itself to accept, and it did. Um, I had the fortune of working under the leadership of Mike Bantam and worked very closely with Rory Sparrow and Janice Hilliard and Krista Chin and, and Kevin Carr. Uh, And it was a great opportunity to see, again, the field of athlete development continuing to grow and evolve. And um, though there are similarities between the NBA and the NFL, there are stark differences. Um, So learning those, you know, kind of those nuances and those differences. uh, But my time at the NBA was one that um, I probably had some of the most growth in, in terms of, of that athlete development uh, thrown into projects in a leadership role, running programs, um, working with vets in the field, it, it really was a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of those names that you lifted uh, listed off are, are in their own right, really well known in the athlete development space in terms of what they've been able to accomplish. So, I mean, you're talking about learning... Uh, from folks that know their stuff that's uh unequivocally you think of Doc Hilliard and and Rory and Chris so those are people that know their stuff Kevin Carr obviously has uh, been extraordinarily successful what um what was sort of your takeaways from that experience at the NBA What, what were some of the lessons learned in that environment especially as you contrast it to what you you had sort of obviously coming in to your first job within the NFL but what were some of the key takeaways from your experiences at the NBA?
1: I think um, when I got to the NBA, I was able to dive deeper into the understanding of the athlete um, just because of experience. Now, after being at the NFL, um, being a bit more seasoned, so I think when you have a better understanding, you're better able to assist them and create programming that really meets their needs. Uh, Rory was a very innovative, out-of-the-box thinker, and Rory and I worked very well together because he would think of these ideas, and I would try to make them happen. Um, So when I look back at that experience, it really was about constantly moving forward to better the lives of those athletes and customize programs for those athletes. And and you know this, that one size doesn't fit all. And I think there was a bit more um, customization that took place there. the teams, there's less individuals on the team. So there was more of the one-on-one interactions that were able to happen, which I think is truly beneficial to to the athlete, which inevitably is beneficial to the team and the league.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh you know, that's an interesting point. Obviously, you're going from dealing with rosters of, you know, what, 5560 to 15, 12-15. So you're talking about a completely different experience that way for sure. Um you now find yourself at the NBA and then who comes knocking next?
1: The NCAA.
0: There you go. Not, not just the DNC, like is Indianapolis. <clears throat> so tell us about that opportunity.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it was shocking to those that I worked with that I was leaving. Um, probably shocking to many of my family and friends, but I recall, um, Being at the rookie programs, and so many of these individuals coming in, and I would ask the question, didn't you get any of this information while you were in college? And so many of them said no. And I was um, had the opportunity to do some work with the NCA as a facilitator at some of their programming, and seeing that this work was being done at the national level, very similar to some of the work that we were doing at the NBA or the NFL, and I thought, wow. If an opportunity at some point presents itself where I can work with these young men and women and administrators or coaches that are helping these individuals, their future is going to be so much brighter because they're getting this information at a much younger age. And um, uh, I was then contacted about a job in leadership development. I accepted the position and I ended up moving to Indianapolis working in leadership development at the NCA where I was responsible for programs for student athletes, coaches, administrators, all in that space of leadership development.
0: So it th- was the, the impetus behind the move really to, to expand the, the scope of how the people you were able to impact. Is that what kind of prompted the move?
1: Yeah. Um, and when I say it was really surprising, I mean, I remember going in and having to tell Mike Bantam that I was leaving and the shock Because he had just given me the D League teams, and I was going to be traveling a lot. Um, And you know, sometimes I look back and I was like, "Why did I do that?" Um, Not with regret, but just I was working at the NBA and things were going well. There was nothing wrong, Um, but I. But there was just kind of this calling that here's an opportunity to work with young men and women because there was just I remember almost every single rookie symposium saying. How do these individuals not have some of this basic information? And it meant that they had such a short window from when they were about to enter the league to not make mistakes because they hadn't, this information hadn't been reiterated to them their freshman year of, of college, their sophomore year of college, junior, senior, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, the, the opportunity presented itself and. I interviewed, and I accepted, and I went in um, excited to really impact change and um, help young men and women, and I was excited about that.
0: That's really cool. And you think about your career arc, and and again, I'll I'll maybe chime in a bit here. So you, you had the opportunity to work for one of the biggest sport franchises in the world with the Yankees. You kind of get that your first snapshot. You're then at the NFL, one of the biggest organizations in sport. NBA, same drill. You're now at the NCAA, which with within a, an American context is is a sport behemoth. At this point, as you're beginning to sort of uh, assimilate all of your views around athlete development, at this point in your career, what are you thinking uh, from the perspective of what is athlete development and, and, and how had it sort of impacted your approach to working with individuals. So the idea of what am I trying to ask? Let me try this again real quick because uh, that was not a particularly clear question. I guess what I'm trying to get to is you find yourself with all this experience and you're now trying to apply it with young men and women. What, what really were you, were you trying to hammer home? What, what have you taken away from all of your experiences within those leagues and those organizations that you were trying to apply?
1: You know, someone asked me a similar question once and I said at the end of the day, I want to help athletes um, positively impact their own lives. I don't want to do it for them. I want to give them the information, the resources, so they can do it for themselves. And when I look at all the different places that I've worked, I've been able to walk away with, yes, valuable experience, but also learning what does and doesn't work and, you know, when I look at my journey in life, every step allowed me to be successful in the next step and and pull from um, what worked and what didn't work. And when I left the NCA and I went to a college campus, I was thrown into a role where I had literally 20 different jobs that fell under one job. And I know that we all juggle, but it was almost like 20 separate jobs that didn't really go together, but it was a Division three institution. And the philosophy really is that holistic approach. And that's what drew me into working at Division three was it was in line with athlete development because it was the holistic approach. They're really student athletes, not athlete students. And when I was at my job, I was able to be successful because I pulled – um, some of the things from the NCA when I was working with governance about rules and regulations and I was able to do compliance. And then when I was working with National SAC, it was about leadership. I pulled all the different leadership things that I had done at my previous places employment. When I was mentoring coaches or student athletes, again, I was able to pull, even though these aren't professional athletes, I was still able to pull those life skills and those life lessons into the work that I was doing with them.
0: And as you kind of sit back and reflect now and where do you think athlete development is going? You have a very unique perspective based on your experiences. Where do you think the industry is going as a whole at this point?
1: I think it's going to continue to grow and expand when you look at the landscape. And I'll speak just specifically of college and you go on the staff directories. You now will see directors of player development, directors of player engagement, um, and, and that brings a, spot, a smile to my face because now the industry is finally getting the recognition that it needs, um, the value that it needs. And even within professional sports, and, and Duncan, you and I have had this conversation years ago, an individual was hired to be the point of contact for player development or player engagement, but essentially they were just another coach. And now leagues and um, are taking that role very seriously, and the person is hired specifically for that. Um, leagues such as the MLS, it's amazing that just in the last few years, they've created this, this program that they never had before. So by seeing this growth across collegiate and professional sh- sports to me means the field of athlete development is just going to continue to expand. Um, people see the value and the importance and when they see the value and importance, they're going to give more resources to help support the athletes. Um, and I think that's great because I think before it was seen as something that is just costing the organization money rather than a revenue generating. And um, I think we've been able to, to change the narrative that now organizations, teams are investing the money in athlete development because they understand that at the end of the day, uh, a more balanced level-headed, happy, performance-driven athlete is going to be more successful and therefore the organization is going to bring in more money.
0: And I think, you know, to to put a bow on this conversation, again, we are just scratching the surface of Stephanie's experience. We're literally looking at the tip of the iceberg, but I think um, it's been a good sort of introductory conversation. And I think what I'd like to leave with is based on all of your experiences with with professional athletes and you work with hundreds, what do you think is the one thing that a athlete development specialist really needs to know and understand about that athlete in order to be successful?
1: I think the first step to being successful in that space is building rapport with your athlete and creating honest relationships. If they trust you, um, they're going to want to work with you. They're going to want to better themselves, but you have to build honest relationships. I think that is the foundation of it all, um, because then you're able to articulate and convey all that you can do for them and how the work or the resources or the information you're going to provide them will help them um, in the present time, but also long term. But if you just come at them and you're aggressive and you don't build an uh, authentic relationship, even though everything that you have is for their betterment, they're not going to listen.
0: That's a great point. And we haven't really talked about this, I don't think, in any of our conversations. But this idea, too, like you can't be a fanboy, a fangirl. You can't go in there. Otherwise, like you said, you're never going to be able to break through um, and, and, and have the resources and the information, the help that you have at hand to be effective. So I think that's a phenomenal point.
1: Yeah, you have to be in the space because you love the space, um not because you want someone's autograph and um you know, you're getting starry-eyed because you're in the presence of individuals um that have greatness on, on the court and the field. And I remember my, saying to my father, we were having a discussion and he said the only difference between you and a professional athlete, he said obviously their skill set, but is their bank account. We're all people. Exactly. And and that's the thing. I mean, we all have to respect one another and um, what we bring to the table. But if you're treating the individuals that you're working with like gods or goddesses, um, it's not going to work.
0: Absolutely. I think that's probably a great place to wrap up this uh, initial conversation with Stephanie Thorburn. I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point in the not too distant future. Stephanie, thanks for allowing us to flip the script and talk to you today Uh, on behalf of Pads. Always. Greatly appreciate your time. Thanks again.
1: You're welcome.